The text for the sermon this day is taken from Ephesians, which was read to you earlier. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This little chap, this chapter in Ephesians, and actually much of the start of Ephesians, is a part of Scripture that pretty well lays out the very core teaching of the Christian faith. Ephesians 2 begins with these words, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That is the confession, that you were born dead. You were born in your sins and your trespasses. You were born dead as an enemy of God. The psalmist adds to that, he says that in sin did my mother conceive me. Sometimes people might misread that and say that, the, that it was his mother that was sinning, but that's not actually how it writes. It's actually referring to the sin of the psalmist. The psalmist was in sin at conception. And so it is with you. At conception, you were born into sin. It is what you have. It is, you have been living, you were born in service to gods other than the one true God. You're born in service to other idols. And as you walk this earth, as you walk this life, you continue to service those idols. Going again to that verse, it says in verse 2, in, once you walk, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. See, we too have this tendency. We are born with it and we still struggle with following our other idols. Whether that might be the idol of money, the idol of our jobs, the idol of hobbies, or, or school, or family even, or even our politics. We have a whole slew of idols that we serve. And let's face it, the last 12 months our idols have been very, very much exposed. Because 12 months ago, a large number of them were taken right away from you. Sports, school, hobbies, all these things that you loved and enjoyed were ripped away. However, the idol of politics still stood and what often happens when you're left with one idol, that one gets served extra, extra strongly. It's interesting is that it all, the pandemic all began during the season of Lent. It's almost like we have been in one very long Lent. But the problem is, is the season of Lent is a season of repentance. Very many did not come to the realization 
that as we have faced what we've faced this year, that God was calling you to repent. Tribulation in your life, whatever form it may be, is a call from God to repent. To recognize that you are a sinner, that you are dying, and that He is to be your single focus. But for many in the last year, we focused on everything but Him. We didn't, realize, we didn't want, to face, want to spend time in repentance. We didn't want to spend time focusing on Christ. We would rather spend our time focusing on either fear or denial. It seems to be on extremes on both sides. Christ was calling us to repent. And did we hear? See, we were born dead in our trespasses. Our trespasses and our sins still rage within us. Like any king, any idol, if you leave a king, you leave a, a dictator, they're going to want you back. They'll keep clawing, trying to pull you in. And so it is with our idols. They're always trying to work on you, always trying to pull you back. Today, we opened up a little bit. And we're going to open up more when we come to Easter. And we're going to add our Saturday services back, starting with the Easter vigil. There's some that have concern. But here's the thing. that There's a verse that keeps going through my mind as we ponder this. There's a passage that actually came up in the Gospel lesson two weeks ago. What good is it if you gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Now, not to minimize the reality of what has happened in the last 12 months, because in reality, it has been a devastating year. Okay, for those of you who don't realize, we had the average weekly death was 10,000 more than an in, on your normal year. So it was a very deadly year. But the thing is, our spiritual lives have been neglected. Look around, how many kids do you see? How many young families do you see in our church? Many are lamenting that we went a year without in-person education. We should be lamenting even more that there have been 12 months where kids have not been inside of church to hear God's word. What good is it if they gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Faith is not ignoring fear, ignoring realities. Faith is realizing that yes, it is a difficult world we're in and still coming to hear his word. Still insisting upon hearing and receiving the means of grace. We, you, our families need it. Our adults need it. Everyone needs the means of grace more than ever. 
In this last year, we have been reminded of our mortality. And we should, and sadly, too many, our reaction is, let's turn to the God of government to answer us and save us. Instead of turning to the cross and realizing you're going to die. That's a promise. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be reckless. We're not Gnostics. We actually care about our physical well-being. We, are not, we do not live according to the hidden will of God. But at the same time, we are, just, we are to look unto him because the reality is, even if you take every precaution possible, you're still going to die. Death is a 100% pandemic minus two. And that'd be Enoch and Elijah. Unless you're one of those two people, you're going to die. And so you need the gospel. You all need the word of God. Because we are dead in our trespasses. And we need Christ. And so... We go to this very familiar verse, this verse that our confirmands had to memorize this past week. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we are born dead in our trespasses, we are born enemies of God. We are born sinners. So how do we deal with that? How does God answer our sinful nature? Grace. There are many answers that people have given as to how we answer this fact that we are born dead. We are born sinners. Some have said you have to get your act together. You have to be a good person. Well, you, have, you are to be a good person, but the problem is you're not. Your works are tainted with sin. You, it will not be enough. And furthermore, you could never do enough good works to undo all of your sins. There's also those who say that you have to accept Jesus into your heart. If you accept Jesus into your heart, then you will be saved. However, you read in the scripture that no one can say, no one seeks after God, no, not one. There are those, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You could even go into chapter 1 of Ephesians where Paul writes that before the foundations of the world, God chose us to be blameless in his sight. In other words, you don't do the choosing. If God left it up to you and told you, you got to choose him. You have to accept him into your heart in order to be saved. No one would be saved. Because if God gave you the choice, your answer would be, run the other way. Because our sinful nature wants to serve every idol but the one true God. But you see, our God comes to you. And this is why I, 
I, would, I wish we had more baby infant baptisms during church. There's part because congregation, it is your duty to make sure every child that is baptized is being instructed in the faith, and they're not. Like, hey, what's up? Why aren't you here? That's your job as a church. But the other reason is, is because, especially with an infant, the infant can't walk up. The, the baby can't make a confession. The baby has to be carried to the font, and the parents speak on its behalf. The child is helpless, cannot do anything for his or herself. And when the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, that child has received the Holy Spirit, has received the seal of the Holy Spirit. When that child was completely helpless, he received the fullness of God's grace. The grace, the love, the mercy that was poured forth on the cross was poured on that child in the waters of baptism, and that child who was born dead is raised to a new life in Christ. The beauty of baptism. And see, that is how it is for every single person who comes to faith. Christ comes to you. The Holy Spirit comes to you through his means of grace. Again, something we just talked about over the last few weeks in confirmation. Through his means of grace, he chooses you. He comes down and he claims you as his beloved child. You do nothing. When we try to figure out what do I do to be saved, Christ does it all. He does every last bit of it and you do nothing. And which is wonderful. Because you never have to sit there and think, was my choice genuine? I look at the way I live. I don't quite live like someone who accepted Jesus into my life. I must not really be saved. Maybe that choice wasn't real. Or maybe if you believe that you were saved by being a good person, how much is good enough? You'll always be measuring and wondering, have I done enough? But it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, if you ever wonder if you are saved, you don't look at yourself. Every time you look at yourself, you get in trouble. You look at yourself for the evidence of your salvation, you will find only failure. But if you look to Christ and his word, which by the way, this is where baptism is so wonderful, is whenever you ask that question, am I saved? You just say, I'm baptized. Done. I am baptized into Christ. That hymn we just read in verse 4, it says, be of good cheer for God's own son forgives all sins which you have done and justified by Jesus' blood, your baptism grants the highest good. You cling to his word. You cling to baptism. You can even look at the word itself. 
Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Raise your hand if you are in the world. Hopefully everybody. If anybody's not, you're in some computer world or something. But you're all he- You're in the world. That he gave- so that means God loved you. And this is how he loved you. Now, by the way, the word so in there in the English, it sounds like it's so much, but in the Greek it's actually more like thus. This thus he has loved you. But thus God loved the world that he gave his only son. Who's his only son? Jesus. How did he give his only son? He gave him, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried, and on the third day rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven where he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, as we confess in the creed. That is how he gave his son for you. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is one of, those cool, one of the cool things, and Pastor Salcedo actually just did it the other day, In the commendation of the dying, we go through these sequences of scripture where you read, you read about, you read this verse. Actually, these exact scriptures are read during the commendation of the dying, which is followed by the crucifixion, the resurrection. And then you read about Revelation 7. You read about what that means, that he loved you. This is how he has loved you. And if you have time, by the way, pick up your congregation at prayer. I put a totally, incredibly awesome quote by St. John Chrysostom about this extravagant love. He gave it to you. And you read that passage. You read that passage. You just ask that qu- this question. Is that true? And if your answer is, yeah, guess what? You will not perish but have eternal life. Because a person who says that's true is one who believes. And guess what? That was written 1,900 years ago. It hasn't changed. There may be various translations, but ultimately it says the same thing. It doesn't change. This is the hope you rest in. This is the God we look to. We don't know what the future brings. But what we do know is he is in every bit of it. And he will lead you and guide you. And what a beautiful, what a perfect, verse 5 of that hymn. Nice little verse to end. Especially, again, with it being 12 months. If you are sick, if death is near, this truth your troubled heart can cheer. Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. That is the firmest ground of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.